0: We loved Point Pele so much, we decided to do an East Coast trip through Canada. We will be in Toronto on Thursday, August 15th, and then driving to Montreal in the afternoon on August 16th with our final destination of Mo's new hometown, Portland, Maine.
1: We would love to get into some birdship while we're driving through Canada. If you have any suggestions for great spots to go birding, send us an email at hellobirdshit at gmail.com. Also, we really want to meet up with you, our awesome listeners in Canada, to go birdwatching or, let's be honest, maybe grab a good beer. Stay tuned to our Twitter, at hellobirdshit, and our Instagram, at birdshippodcast, as our trip approaches so we can tell you where to meet us.
0: Let's do this bird shit.
1: Hi this is Mo and this is Sarah and you're listening to the podcast Bird Shit. We started this podcast to share our love of birding with other enthusiastic birders in the world. I'm a little disturbed that I feel like we always do recordings when I'm hungover and I lost my voice.
0: Dude um I'm a little disturbed that we do recordings after I've had several drinks <laughs> so I'm like a step ahead, a step before you.
1: I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic, and you're an active alcoholic. Yeah. I think that's the perfect combination. Pretty much.
0: Um, I'm really digging it, though.
1: How are you doing? I'm
0: good. You know, I'm about to turn 30 tomorrow. I know you've already reached this milestone, but, you know, it's kind of trippy. It plays with your heart. It plays with your mind.
1: I was going to say, if you meant tombstone when you said milestone, then yes, I've been there.
0: Yeah, that's a big one. It's good, though. I'd rather, you know, turn 30 than not turn 30.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: So we were at this festival, and, like, I'm going to buy tickets for drinks. And this girl goes, you, you. And then I'm like, oh, what? I'm socially anxious. What do you want? And then she's, like, pulls up her sleeve, and she has this David Bowie labyrinth tattoo. It was Shut so up. good.
1: Shut up. Was it the one where he's, like, holding the orb?
0: Uh, No, it was more just him. So she just had, like, a face and the little upper body profile. And then she had, like, a bunch of kind of, like, labyrinth design around it. It was really cool.
1: Damn. Yeah. That girl is your spirit animal.
0: I told her, always labyrinth vibes. Always.
1: Always labyrinth
0: kind of creepy though, because it's about like kidnapping a child.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kidnapping movies that somehow like, yeah, they shouldn't be, I mean, maybe that's why we all have like, that like weird, complex fantasy, right, of like, a stranger breaking into your house and like, uh, it's probably because of labyrinth.
0: Okay, Mo, I'm going to just rewind a little. Fantasy. Is that like sexual fantasy for you?
1: Yeah, that's like a thing. It is.
0: It is. It is. Yeah. It definitely is. I'm not
1: saying it's mine. I'm saying like more people have (laughs) that. We all? Is that why we all have that fantasy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm generalizing here.
0: Yeah, okay, good. I was just making sure. I mean, it's a, it's a legit thing, and also the movies, like, take it and definitely, like, personified it. Like, when it sets up her father as, like, the, like, rescuer, it's kind of like a weird sexual daughter father motif in my mind.
1: What's weirder about it, the, the father-daughter motif or the kidnapping sex?
0: The father-daughter motif? part.
1: Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. When I worked at a video rental store, I was shocked at how many, like, daughter-stepdad pornos were for sale.
0: Dude, I also can't believe you worked at a place, that a video store that had the word family in it and it rented those.
1: You could buy them. You could? You could buy them. You can buy any porno you wanted from there.
0: Damn, I didn't know you could buy it. Well, at least the one I went to in Grand Rapids, they used to have this little, like, saloon door in the back that yeah. went to the porn, and I they don't have it anymore.
1: Well, maybe mine doesn't either, because half of it's now a brewery. What? It's a fucking weird thing.
0: The one in Grand Rapids turned into selling, uh, no, weed but not real weird. What's like the cannibal dial CBD? CBD. Yeah. It's selling CBD now as like a side business. I love
1: that you didn't know CBD, but you knew cannabidiol. Like dial. You- I know. <laughs> you, like- <laughs> I couldn't
0: think of the abbreviation for it.
1: Oh man. But like, that's just so weird because like everyone just knows the abbreviation.
0: Yeah. No, I just know the real name cannabidiol dial. It's because it's what they use in research studies.
1: Birds in the news, birds in the news. Birds, 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 birds. birds in the news.
0: <laughs> Wait, should we try and record that song or should we just leave the fucked up version?
1: You already know the answer to that. Okay, good. All right. Fucked up version it is. So, the big news, and we actually put this on our Instagram the moment I found out about it, which was 15 minutes after it was announced, is that the Mambe? Oh, I actually, I learned how to pronounce it correctly, now I can't remember I can't remember. I think it's Mombi. Mombi. Like I kept yeah. I kept wanting to say, like Momby. But it's Mombi. The Mombi on the Beach Music Festival in Chicago has been canceled so that Monty and Rose, the two endangered piping plovers that are nesting at Montrose Beach, can continue kind of doing their thing and raising their little plover family. Three of their four eggs hatched. And so now there are three piping plover chicks running around Montrose Beach in Chicago. The production company that was putting on the festival has actually decided to cancel it. And that's super great news for the birds, but it's also just like kind of super great news in general. Montrose Beach, for those of you who aren't familiar with Chicago, which is probably a lot of people. But anyway, like Montrose Beach is one of those absolute gems of – habitat for birds. It's right on Lake Michigan. It's very easy for them to get to when they are migrating. And there's been a lot of conservation efforts that have been done in the last 10 to 15 years to make it such a great habitat for birds. And so many more birds have been coming there and have been attracted to the region as a result of all the conservation. So it's really very cool that now it's being recognized as being this great habitat for birds to the point where this music festival Although they say it's circumstances beyond their control, there were other things that they cited besides just the piping plovers. So they did say that the water levels of Lake Michigan are super high. Like there's not a lot of beach along Lake Michigan this year because the water levels in Lake Michigan are super high. And so they did lose a large portion of the footprint that they were going to use for the concert. But really, these Great Lakes piping plover shorebirds, they're federally protected, and you can't really mess with the federal government Even if our federal government kind of sucks right now, um, it's protecting the birds in some weird way. So,
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Probably like EPA statutes or environmental conservation statutes.
1: Yeah, man. And so there were a lot of community people who sent in letters and signed petition to help cancel the event, um, saying that it would interfere with park accessibility and preservation. And even though the festival did try to work with the Chicago Park District and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services to find a new location, they really just, I think, decided that it's not a good place to do it anymore. So they're going to be issuing refunds. And I do have to say that the promoter of the concert has really tried to say, like, look, we're here to work with the community. We don't want to be ostracized by it, and we want to be good neighbors and everything. It's good for the birds, even though probably there are people who are pissed off. I, for one, am very pro-plover. I'm super excited that now they can have the full run of the beach.
0: Yeah, with their little baby.
1: Oh, my God, little babies. Pipe and plover babies are so cute.
0: I am so, like, enamored with their tiny little baby. It is so freaking cute.
1: You know, it's crazy that those birds... Like, unlike other fledglings, these little paving plover chicks, like, they start feeding themselves within hours of being out of their shells. Like, they start, like, they get up on their little tiny legs and they run around the beach, like, just starting to feed. That's
0: crazy, because normally it takes so much longer for other fledglings to be able to feed on their own. I think ducklings are pretty similar, though.
1: I mean, maybe it's a shorebird thing. I don't know.
0: Speaking of which... Um, not our birds in the news, but kind of related. I saw three separate moms with ducklings in July, like baby ducklings. So it seems like there's like either their second brood or like a really, really late breeding.
1: Let's look this up. Um, According to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, it does look like mallards can have one to two broods. So maybe it was a late brood.
0: I think so, because normally like you see them in June. And then they're Mm -hmm. like ducks by July. But no, we saw some very, very tiny, cute little ducklings. I think seeing those little babies leads into our next story um, that comes from CNN. And it is out of New Zealand. So we're going to talk about the orange fronted parakeet. It's one of the most rare birds in New Zealand. And currently there are less than 300. Um, They're believing that they are between 100 and 300 birds.
1: In the world, right?
0: Yeah, in the world. Like, this is
1: the only place they live? Yep.
0: And they thought they were extinct, but they were rediscovered in 1993. And the reason we're talking about them this year is because they have been getting it on. The tropical beech trees have been producing a lot of mast, which is the botanical name for nuts, seeds, buds, or fruit. And it has been making them go crazy. This has been pretty much an epic season of mating. Staff within the nation's Department of Conservation say they found at least 150 orange and parakeets have been born this season alone, and there are 31 new wild parakeet nests, which is three times the number of nests in previous years. So it's really great because they're obviously a really, really dangerous population because their numbers are so low, and it's good to note their numbers... Uh, Could increase even more because the lovemaking continues for several more months, and this is going to be one of the largest breeding seasons and one of the largest mass seasons or fruit seasons in over 40 years. There's been a lot of mating going on, which is great, and some of the parakeet pairs are even on their fifth clutch of eggs which is insane to think that they're going through five different egg clutches they don't know why there's been such an increase in seed um it's just happens to be seasonally the trees are really doing well
1: the trees are getting it on the
0: trees are getting it on with nature they're feeling themselves and thus the birds are benefiting
1: It sounded, it sounded like you were implying tree masturbation there for a second
0: yeah i was but i <laughs> guess that's what the trees do no the trees pollinate each other
1: well, there are some trees that can use their own pollen to... Self-pollination,
0: yeah. That's what I'm going to call masturbating for men. Oh, I'm self-pollinating.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just mixing my seed with my own seed.
0: <laughs> I'm just getting my seeds going. But it is good to note that um, when there is an increase like this, birds may not be the only ones to benefit. Um, the conservation group said they are focusing on protecting the birds because... Rats and feral cats also benefit from this higher beach mast. They'll be attracted to the food source and their potential prep for the birds. So it's always good to remain one step ahead. Um, But I thought this was a good story. Usually we do a very, very depressing birds in the news. So I thought this was a good happy birds in the news because we're talking about some birds getting a really epic breeding season. And also um, Monty and Rose getting a little privacy to raise their little baby.
1: I'm thinking that our bird sex episode really inspired these parakeets to just start getting it on. Yeah, they
0: listened to it and they were like, man, our cloacas.
1: It was probably all your singing.
0: My birdie white singing. Just get everyone going. I have such an alluring voice.
1: Especially when you talk like that.
0: Friday night, we started doing something like New Jersey Housewives. I don't know if I could do the voice again, but I was just like, oh, you're so gorgeous. You're just so beautiful. Let's just get you up on stage. And then I was like, oh, God. Like, who have I become that this is what I, like, go to is, like, this is my go-to accent.
1: Yeah, it's like your your spirit accent. Oh, God, it's really
0: bad. Um, in this episode, we are going to focus on landscaping and what kind of plants you can plant, plants to plant, to attract the birds that you want to see or to just help the species that you know you see in your yard
1: thrive. Yeah, this actually came in from a listener. Shout out to Paul in Grand Rapids because Paul's doing some landscaping and he is thinking bird forward and we are big fans of that. And so we're here to help Paul out and anyone else out. Even though I don't think July is like the best time of year to like plant stuff, it doesn't matter. Prepare yourself for next year. Because the thing is, is once you start liking birds, you just want to be around birds all the time. All the time. (laughs) All the time. Absolutely all the time. Yeah, any bird, anytime. That's my motto. Our first
0: area we're going to look at are flowers. A lot of us plant them for aesthetics or because we're crazy flower ladies, but flowers are a huge food and nesting resource for birds. While most of us choose what's pretty or easy to grow, or we just buy some Gerber daisies and let them die on the front porch, there are a lot of flowers you can choose that are pretty to humans and birds. According to the Audubon Society, the one thing you should definitely plant is a native plant. They have this great website where you can actually type in your zip code and it will give you some native plants in your area. Um, When I searched my zip code, I got at least 12 pages of native plants that I could plant. I hate saying plants that I could plant. It just sounds so repetitive. I'm going to say flowers that I could put into the ground.
1: You just remove the word plant altogether. Yeah, I'm just
0: getting rid of the word (laughs) plant. Don't look for
1: one substitute. Look for two.
0: If it's repetitive, replace both words. That's always my (laughs) English writing tip. I have a black thumb. I do not like plants. I do not care about plants. Like, I I enjoy them. I enjoy trees. I enjoy being in nature.
1: You like your little plastic Ikea plant that you keep on your desk. Yeah, my
0: grass, my fake grass. I also have a Gerber daisy outside that I got for my birthday that's going to die.
1: You kind of alluded to that. Oh,
0: yeah, it's going to die. But it's just not something I really pay attention to. So, But I do appreciate having plants in my yard. So you are not a very, like, plant-oriented Person, I picked a couple that seemed like they'd be pretty easy um, and I thought were pretty eye-catching. The first one is the American pokeweed. It's a perennial plant that produces white flowers and then in the fall um, produces some like purple and black berries. And these are a great food source for migrating birds. The birds you're most likely to attract with this, which are birds I want to see, include waxwings, cardinals, finches, and orioles. So this is why I would choose to plant this one in my yard. It's native to my area, produces berries, and I love waxwing birds, so this is something I would
1: definitely want to see. Yeah, what's cool about that plant too is that it, like you said, for the migrating species, but the Mm -hmm. fact that it produces food during a time of the year when people aren't really thinking about their feeders, like in the colder weather, it's it's harder for people to think about going out to the feeder when Mm -hmm. it's cold outside. So that's great that it provides a food source during those sort of off feeder seasons.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like something that's pretty simple too. It's not like kind of over the top. So I thought that one would be great. The next one is one I see everywhere. It's called the Black Eyed Susan. I think of it as the Sunflower Shorter, Less Attractive Cousin. Um, It's an annual that has yellow petals, and in the center, it has black seeds. Um, The seeds are known to attract nuthatches, chickadees, wrens, and thrushes. And what I really liked about this one is it's resistant to grazing by deer. Deer aren't really attracted to this flower. They're not going to eat this flower. So this is one if you want to kind of avoid deer grazing in your garden. This is a good plant you could plant on the outside, one that they wouldn't be initially attracted to. Or if you want to ensure you have a food source for birds, this is a good one. Too, because the deer won't come through and chew on the petals. The final one I chose was the cardinal flower. So this one seemed a little over the top. It's this really large red flower and it grows at the end of the summer to fall. It is one that I chose because it is a favorite of hummingbirds. So planting this one can help attract them to your yard. On my yard right now I would have to put like something in the ground to set up a feeder and I also like sometimes just don't think they're very attractive the red hummingbird feeders so if you're looking for a more natural resource that you can draw hummingbirds in with I highly suggest the cardinal flower it's very pretty
1: the cardinal flower I was reading about this too apparently it's named that after catholic cardinals who wear like those red flowing robes so if you have a lot of catholic guilt like Sarah and I do Plant the damn plant so that the birds are happy.
0: Plant the damn plants. Yeah, my family is very Irish Catholic on my mom's side. So knowing this, I'm always, already like, okay, I have to plant this plant because it'll make, it'll make the church happy.
1: I feel like it's the only way my mom's going to forgive me for giving up the Catholic faith.
0: <laughs> for everything you've ever done.
1: For everything I've ever done. Hey, man, forgiveness. That's an important quality. Yeah, just
0: look at this flower I planted for the church. It's great. Great. <laughs>
1: so sarah mentioned some great plants that are good for attracting a lot of different kinds of birds but if you're really looking to draw some beautiful tunes to your yard uh the national geographic has this awesome research for which flowers to plant to attract songbirds specifically to your yard of course this is a kind of an obvious one to a lot of people since i think it's the first thing that comes to mind when we're looking at bird feed even are sunflowers so sunflowers They have seeds that attract a lot of different songbirds. You do have to kind of watch out for squirrels stealing those things because those fuckers, man, every year I'm like, oh, look at my pretty sunflower. And then like within days, it's just the head is on the ground and the squirrel has annihilated it. So if you can somehow keep the squirrels away from your sunflowers, your birds will be very happy. There are two species of sunflowers to consider. There's one that's native to the southwest and central United States. And then there's a different variety that's uh, native to the east, depending on where you live in the U.S. or keep out, look lookout for which one of those are native to you. Another great plant for songbirds are the purple cone flowers. Those are those really pretty like pinky purple flowers that have like the sort of spiky cone spot like right in the middle where like the pollen is.
0: I love them. They're my favorite.
1: Yeah, they're like the quintessential wildflower too.
0: They're so pretty.
1: Like, I feel like I'm in a country song whenever I see a field of those. (laughs) They're really good at attracting songbirds because they have those long-lasting blooms that really sort of just draw in songbirds during later in the seasons. Purple coneflowers are native to the Great Plains States, but you can likely find a species that's native to your region as well. They're pretty widespread. Coneflowers are also really good at attracting not only songbirds, but they provide nectar for butterflies and bees. So anything that helps pollinators, we're good with that. Pollinator Proud. Uh, The Virginia Creeper, love the name, kind of goes back to our weird uh, fantasies about stalkers.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, can I just say that I feel like Netflix has, like, hit the, like, niche for stalker shows. Like, I feel like there's a new one called The Obsession that's about a stalker, I think. And then there was the one about Penn Bagley as a stalker. Like, I feel like stalker, like
1: stalker sells stop Stalk- yeah
0: stalker sells even though it really shouldn't like it's a really no, bad message. Shouldn't.
1: scary shit man
0: yeah if a guy is following you around that's like probably not someone you want to date
1: well even if it's not a guy it could be anybody like any stalker under any circumstance it's yeah. just kind of weird
0: yeah oh yeah no 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 No. I completely agree it doesn't have to be a gentleman i was just thinking of that pen Bagley show um yeah no Don't get into those creeps.
1: Stay away from creepers, but not Virginia creepers.
0: Yeah, the Virginia creeper is an awesome vine that Mo is going to tell us about.
1: These beautiful vines provide a lot of nutrients during the winter for birds, and it's a great source of fruit for them during the non-flowering months. This is a really key food source for fruit-eating birds, such as mockingbirds, nuthatches, woodpeckers, and jays. And it's a good native vine that's also a good resource for nest building, which is something we always like to see in the spring. Just like birds flying around picking up garbage to build their beautiful nests with. And you're like, oh, that's cool. There's also a species known as the thicket creeper that's really good in the west if you live in the western United States. But the Virginia creeper is mostly found in the Great Plains and the eastern United States. Okay,
0: so I'm thinking about taking a trip to Virginia and hiking in a national park. And now I don't want to go because all I can think about is like creepers being in the (laughs) woods.
1: Oh yeah, like um deliverance or something. <laughs> oh um, <laughs> ruined it for you.
0: Worst thing to bring up. Yeah, I don't. I think I'm gonna stay away from like Tennessee.
1: So those are some examples of flowers, but if you really need a good bush, you should probably check out the elderberry. This is a versatile plant that has been used to make dye and medicine by people all across the United States. And it's a really showy shrub for the landscape. It has these really beautiful bright dark blue fruits, which is i don't know why we say bright dark blue but you know what i'm saying um we typically use these for jams but they also provide food for a lot of birds within its range including the brown thrasher brown (gasps) thrashers are dope they are so cool and red-eyed vireos and dozens of other birds
0: i love red-eyed vireos
1: i know those are two great birds like those are two birds that i would just if they showed up in my yard every day i'd be like sweet homies (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was you like amped it up to be so much better than that you were like if they showed up in my yard every day I'd be like okay cool bro nice That's cool nice chill man awesome yeah.
1: yeah no but brown thrashers like
0: brown thrashers are awesome
1: I underestimated the brown thrasher when I first learned about them because I was like the name makes it sound like a death metal bird oh but then yeah. it's just kind of like a chubby little you know happy little thing
0: it isn't death metal thing.
1: We need to make death metal brown thrasher shirts.
0: Dude, I am kind of a metalhead. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, no, no, no,
1: no. You're not because if you're a metalhead, you don't shy away from it. Like you can't be kind of a metalhead. You have to be like full out fucking metalhead. Okay, so that's like, like a tr-
0: that. No, that's like a true metalhead. Like people fucking get into metal, and I like metal, but it's not the only thing I listen to, and not the only thing. Like I really like Skeleton Witch. They're a good band. I've seen them a couple times. And then I go to like a local metal festival every year. So I can say I'm kind of into metal. Like I'm not buying the magazines, but I know metalheads are the biggest nerds. And I can't call myself a metalhead. I have to say I'm kind of into it because I'm not that nerdy about it.
1: I think that what you actually have to say is I sometimes listen to metal music.
0: Okay, there we go.
1: As soon as you bring the word metalhead in, people are going to be like, no, you're fucking not.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good point. I don't want people to think that I'm saying I'm something I'm not, even though that's what everyone does all the time. We're all just faking our existences.
1: Damn, you are a sad, depressing drunk. Okay. So finally, there's another good plant that provides um, flowers during the winter and it is the staghorn sumac. And that's a really great source for providing fall and winter fruit to a large variety of birds. So, and it also is like, I don't know, sumac's kind of a cool plant to have in your yard. It
0: is. It's really pretty. It's like a very, like, I don't even know how to describe the flower, but it's like a very thick, bushy flower. I like it a lot.
1: You do like bushy flowers. I like bushy flowers. You sure you don't want to wax your sumac?
0: Oh, no, girl. I keep that sumac natural.
1: I do I have a a bikini wax staghorn sumac.
0: Oh Just, you know well, that's keep good. it well
1: pruned but make sure you can you know see the undergrowth.
0: Well my sumac never really gets out of whack.
1: Yeah, you're not a hairy person. I'm
0: not a hairy person.
1: All my ancestors came from very cold places so
0: your family came from like Ireland. That's where my family's from
1: and Wales and the Czech Republic.
0: Oh yeah, okay, you got a little colder then. Okay, so now that Mo has given you an exhaustive list of flowers from the National Geographic. An exhaustive list? It's like six plants. Yep, it's exhaustive.
1: It does cover a lot of ground. (laughs) 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 I like how you had to let that pun sit in for a second.
0: I did. I was almost going to speak again, and then I was like, oh, wait, good pun. I'm just going to give a shout out to um, Evergreen Trees. Evergreens are plants that have their leaves throughout the year. Um, But I just wanted to give a shout out to um, special trees that are like fir and spruce trees because these provide a lot of shelter for birds in the winter months. So they really use these as a resource um, to hide from the snow and wind in the cold winter months. So if you are thinking about adding a tree to your yard, you should consider an evergreen. I know they're a little more bulky. Um, The needles can cause a huge mess, but they are a great resource.
1: food man you really you really sold those evergreens like i know i know they're bulky and i know that they lose their needles and i know that everything gets sticky and sappy but like you should get one
0: you should get one because they provide a good place for birds and speaking of houses mo do you want to talk about some of the housing for birds um i know it's kind of related to attracting them to your yard
1: yeah i do think housing is a great way to attract birds and, and kind of using the evergreen as a jumping point of off that too because like you said like During those cold winter months when all the deciduous trees lose their leaves, evergreens are a great way for birds to kind of get in out of the cold and the wind and everything. So a few things about housing. One thing that people take very, very seriously is – houses in general and while there are lots of things to consider about birdhouses we just want to touch a little bit on bluebird houses so bluebirds are cavity nesting species and people love putting bluebird houses in their yard to try and attract these really beautiful birds but bluebirds are kind of finicky and they have like very high standards for what kind of house they want to live in like you can't just turn any normal birdhouse into a bluebird house So we're going to give you just a few tips to keep in mind if you're looking to attract bluebirds to the yard. So like I said, bluebirds are cavity nesting birds. And what's kind of disappointing is that they're not an aggressive species. So more aggressive species like uh, European starlings or house sparrows, who are both invasive species, by the ways, um, they will easily take over a bluebird nest, even though you've designed it for bluebirds. So bluebirds can be drawn out of their spaces by these sort of more aggressive birds And there are very specific dimensions in terms of like the whole width and the whole height and the size of the box that I don't want to put in this episode because I don't want to fuck it up. But we'll make sure that these notes are in the podcast notes um, so that if you want to build your own bluebird box to do that. But the most important thing is the habitat To attract the bluebirds so having the right habitat is really critical to drawing in these birds specifically they do really well in open woodlands and at the edge of forests Uh, golf courses and parks or near pastures are really good examples or anywhere near farmlands are also really good they will nest in backyard houses as well provided there is a sufficient open space for foraging and enough nearby purchase to use since their houses themselves don't actually have purchase you'll want to mount a bluebird box onto a pole roughly four to six feet off the ground in a relatively open area, and the entrance should face a tree or shrub that's about 25 to 100 feet away from the box itself.
0: Damn, these birds are freaking picky.
1: Dude, they are so picky. This is like that bird that would be on House Hunters on HGTV.
0: They would have like a job taking care of Benny pigs and make like $500,000 a week and be like, I can buy whatever house I want, but it has to have... Uh, three kitchens, six bathtubs, one sink in the laundry room.
1: Dude, I remember watching this one episode and this couple, like, this house was great. I thought this was a great house. And the realtor was like, Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Like it has an attached garage. And they're like, we don't want an attached garage because we don't want the fumes coming in from the garage into our house. And I was like, Who doesn't want an attached garage? Like, in the middle of winter, an attached garage is the greatest thing that's ever existed.
0: And if they didn't know this, if you run fumes in your garage for a long time and you go in there, you can die.
1: And even if you weren't, like, there's literally no fumes that are even going to occur there. Maybe they're running a meth lab. Maybe that's why they need it detached.
0: Like, you pull the car in the garage and turn it off. Like, I don't know, maybe they do want the fumes in the house. Maybe she's afraid her husband's going to sit in her car and just get it over with. That was sad. I'm
1: sorry.
0: <laughs> Maybe I am. I told sad. you, you
1: are a depressing drunk.
0: No, I'm not. Normally, you know me. I usually, I'm like trying to eat candy or like give candy or like open gifts or like talk to people. I'm usually a really nice drunk. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> open gifts?
0: Yeah, you know, like I'd be like, oh, look at this cool thing. It would be like a wrapper on the ground, and I'd be like, look at this
1: cool thing. I hope the next time we get drunk, you give me a gift to open. Dude, I will. I
0: have a gift for you. I already showed it to you, that chicken ornament. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it. Dude, I was supposed to give it to you two years ago, and then I found it.
1: Uh, okay, going back to our little finicky super anal bluebirds. The good news is with bluebird boxes is that bluebirds will use these as winter roosting spots. So there's no really good time to put out a house. Anytime is good. So put it out. Get the birds, knowing that it's there. Try to leave the bluebird box unpainted, and choose like a light tan or like a very natural shade. Don't paint it inside or outside or anything like that. And do your best to provide grass clippings or pine needles, twigs, or other kind of nesting materials nearby so that they can use those to build their nest. And make sure to remove any kind of perch that could serve as a handhold for any opportunistic predators that might be in the area. So uh, cats, especially if you live in a neighborhood, those are super bad for finding their way into places where birds live. Make sure to kind of keep those things in mind if you're looking to do bluebirds. If you, and just kind of other things to keep in mind too, and I know I just mentioned this, but even if you don't use a bluebird box and you use some other kind of housing for birds, do try to keep it looking as natural as possible because you really don't want to attract those predators. So we know there are some good, funny looking birdhouses and we do love those, like the ones where birds are like coming out of people's noses and stuff. Those are great. But The best birdhouse for a bird is something that's really natural or even like a dead tree or, you know, anything where it it blends into the landscape a little bit more. If you really love to see bird housing, you can also join Cornell's Lab of Ornithology program called Nest Watch, where you can get certified to monitor nests and report on eggs and hatchlings. And actually, Nest Watch, quick shout out. This woman who was on Nest Watch found this white swallow, this white, um
0: albino
1: swallow albino tree swallow that Ooh. nested or was you know hatched in her birdhouse that she had and if she hadn't been a part of NestWatch, then we never would have known about this cool little albino bird like they're super super rare shout out to albino tree swallows of which there is basically one thank you nest watch for all you do
0: thanks nest watch
1: wow you sounded so grateful for NestWatch.
0: thanks nest watch i sound like a teen who just opened like clothes on their birthday Thanks.
1: you too, actually that's like the the perfect analogy
0: as a final note um we just want you to consider you know whenever you're planting anything to try and keep your garden messy so leave your dead flower heads over the winter or whatever flowers you have so that birds who are in the region can access the leftover seed pods and insects hibernating in the plants according to yardmap.org this is really important because winter habitat conditions for migrating birds, such as the savannah sparrow, can impact how they do in spring breeding because if they aren't able to access reliable food sources during the winter, such as your messy garden or whatever bird seed you're continuing to put out, um, it can really actually reduce their chances of having a successful spring breeding season if they don't have a very um, nutrient-rich winter resource. So. If you are a little lazy like me when it comes to the yard, please consider messy gardening. Um, It's a great way to leave behind that extra scrap of food for birds in the winter.
1: I mean, we all know how much fun it is to binge eat during the winter, and birds are no different.
0: (sighs) Yeah, birds want that too.
1: They need that little extra fat. They need that little winter layer.
0: They're so cute when they're a little chubby in the winter and they're fluffy. Oh, my God, it's so cute.
1: Why don't we look that cute when we overeat in the winter?
0: (sighs) I don't know. It's probably because I'm... Not fluffy, and it's probably because I'm all—all all I'm eating is guacamole salsa now, and it's probably all I eat in the winter too. Guac bud. guac bod guac salsa bud. Jake. So the other day I was wearing this tube top, and I was like, "Oh, I got guac on my tube top," and now Jake, in like the Chicago accent, always goes. Officer, I got guac on my tube top. It's like he does this like really good Chicago accent. Now that's like a phrase he says whenever we're doing something that's like, like whenever I'm speeding or like I'm slightly breaking a law, like letting the dog out without a leash. Like Jake just says, sorry, officer, I got guac on my tube top.
1: Look at you wearing tube tops though, girl. I'm proud.
0: Dude, it's like 120 degrees and it was in my house. I wasn't like outside on a patio where people could see me. Oh, also, what are you trying to say? Because of my body, I shouldn't be wearing tube tops?
1: No, I'm saying, like, because of my body, I've never worn a tube top. So I am proud of you for being proud of your body and wearing a tube top.
0: Dude, anybody should wear a tube top.
1: The problem with a tube top and me is that I have nothing to hold up a tube top.
0: Oh, that's why you get a really tight tube top. I don't have anything to hold it up. Just got to get a really tight one. It's probably, like, six sizes too small.
1: Hey, so those are some plants that so you should plant. Oh, no, you don't like the plants on plants. No, those are some... Those are some living things in the ground that you can put in the soil to bring more birds to your yard.
0: These are living things you put in your ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Better than bodies. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're probably already dead, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But when I get really dark in this episode, I'm so sorry. It was just Yeah,
1: I could only talk about flowers for so long before I'm just like, can't have anything that's nice in my life. I must talk about death. (laughs)
0: So that was our episode about what you can plant to attract more birds to your yard. We're also going to be talking about in a future episode, what kind of bird seed you can use to bring birds to your yard. If you've already got your landscape nice and set, you're not looking for that. You're looking for a food resource only. We're going to be talking about that in an upcoming episode. Um, As always, uh, reach out to us with any questions, comments on episodes at hellobirdshit.com or dot e- gmail at gmail.com why did i say dot com like it was a website
1: hello bird shit at gmail.com
0: ah uh, yep that's it and we look forward to hearing from everyone i hope this episode made you feel really sad because that's what it made <laughs> us feel
1: <laughs> and if, if you are so sad that you want to know more about how to get these wonderful plants to your yard. We'll make sure to put the reference to the Autobahn database that you can enter your zip code. That'll be in the podcast notes, as well as the National Geographic article that is more broader plants that you can use with specific species relative to your native region. And yeah, follow us on Instagram. And in the meantime, keep your eyes to the skies.